KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Friday, June 4th. New police guidance for dealing with the LGBTQ community. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The California Occupational Safety Board voted on Thursday that mask wearing will continue to be mandatory at work after June 15th unless all employees are vaccinated. Business leaders say the conflicting guidance are problematic. Jerry Sanders is president and CEO of the San Diego Regional Chamber of Commerce. They're going to have a lot of people coming in there who have listened to the governor saying you don't need to wear a mask and listen to the CDC, which says you don't have to wear a mask. And then Cal OSHA saying you do. So it is just it's so confusing. The good news is if everyone at work has had the shot or shots, masks can go. Just under 2 million San Diegans have now gotten their COVID-19 vaccine, but it remains unclear if a third booster shot for variants will be needed in the near future. Professor Shane Crotty of the La Jolla Institute of Immunology says the need for booster shots will partly depend on local infection rates and some areas will continue to see pockets of outbreak. Housing is! Housing is! The county's eviction moratorium, which passed in May, is now in effect. But at a press conference on Thursday, activists demanded the state do more to hold landlords accountable. Despite the ban, some tenants are still facing landlords trying to evict them. The moratorium on evictions will continue for 60 days after the state reopens on June 15th. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. This week is the first week of Pride Month, and the San Diego Police Department has released new procedures for interacting with transgender and non-binary people. But many of the LGBTQ community believe there's more work to be done to rebuild trust with police. KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim has more. Glad that they're um, making these policies public. Glad that they're um, pushing that forward. Fernando Lopez applauds the police department's newly released procedures, which include using people's preferred pronouns and booking individuals in facilities that align with their gender identity. But as the executive director of SD Pride, Lopez is quick to say that this is just one step on the road towards more equitable treatment. I am really looking forward to listening to the LGBTQ black community members that are leading the healing and safer communities uh, work that we're doing. Right now, that work is not complete. Charlie Brown is a black gay activist who organized protests last summer. He says the LGBT community still has scars from decades of police mistreatment. I mean, let's face it, San Diego Police Department has a lot of building of trust to do with the LGBT plus community. Um, and I, I think they need to take a step back and just work on the relationship. And trust is going to take a while. You know, people are afraid of the police. Meanwhile, with San Diego Pride due to kick off later this month, Lopez says the future of police at SD Pride remains unclear. 
But one thing they want to make sure stays the same is honoring the history of Pride. It began after black and Latino trans people fought back against a police raid in 1969 at New York City's Stonewall Inn. Our origins are literally in response to state-sanctioned police violence. That often gets ignored and yes, like celebrate queer joy, but so that queer joy is in pursuit of justice. SD Pride will be hosting the annual Spirit of Stonewall on July 16th. For more information, visit sdpride.org. And that reporting from KPBS's race and equity reporter, Christina Kim. Oceanside City Council approved police security cameras in the downtown area. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has more. It's no secret that the city of Oceanside has been expanding by building beachfront resorts, new restaurants and breweries are popping up that could make this the next hotspot destination for tourists and visitors. But with that comes added security measures. So now Oceanside Police Department has requested the installation of security cameras here in downtown Oceanside. At Wednesday City Council meeting, the contract to purchase and install 54 surveillance cameras in the city's downtown area was approved. The cameras are intended to help monitor crime in the area and local businesses. You know, we're about 20 officers short and, uh, you know, we have a number of incidents that occurred downtown. We thought it was a, just a great idea um, to put these video surveillance cameras on the downtown area. Isabella Vansant works at SoCal Trading Company in downtown Oceanside and supports the installation of the cameras. Someone followed me from the train to into the store and eventually tried stealing things. And um, by the time the cops came, he had already ran off. And so there wasn't anything we could do about it besides give a description and hopefully they'd see him again. But not everyone agrees with the installation of the cameras. This Oceanside resident who did not want to share her name said the cameras are an invasion of privacy. And this, I mean, it's okay for businesses, but I think in people's privacy, I'm really opposed to it because that means you're tracking me, where I go, what I do. Oceanside Police Department said citizens should not be concerned about privacy because the footage will not be monitored daily and will only be saved for one year. The cameras are costing the city $497,000 that will be paid through the Measure X budget approved last year. And that was KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne in Oceanside. Absenteeism was up and grades were down during the pandemic school year. That's according to the San Diego Unified School District. KPBS education reporter Joe Hong explains who struggled the most and how the district will help students recover. Overall attendance at San Diego Unified was down this year with Black and Latinx students as well as English learners and students with disabilities seeing the biggest declines. School Board President Richard Barrera says this trend should reverse as students return to campus, but the district will also invest in counseling services to help students get re-engaged in learning. Students, first of all, were not feeling engaged in their uh, you know, uh, classes. And then with all the other stress that's going on in, in, in students' lives and their families' lives, um, unfortunately, it's not surprising that we saw, you know, a decline in, in attendance and an increase in chronic absenteeism. Chronic absenteeism rates nearly doubled for some student groups in the district. The number of students missing at least 10% of the school year shot up 10 percentage points for black students and 11 percentage points for English learners. English learners also had disproportionately lower grades during the pandemic. 
Brewer said the district will focus on teacher training to replicate its pre-pandemic successes with English learners. Developing the capacity of the classroom teacher to, to support English learners you know, has been a strategy that's shown to have really positive outcomes in, for instance, reducing the number of long-term English learners. Finally, Brewer says he's confident that both a return to in-person instruction and more focused efforts will remediate academic losses across all grade levels and student groups. And that was KPBS education reporter Joe Hong. Coming up, we have a look at the San Diego Arab Film Festival, as well as our weekend preview for local arts events happening soon. All of that next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. The San Diego Arab Film Festival kicks off in person and with online events this Saturday. KPBS film critic Beth Accomando previews the festival, which opens and closes with Palestinian films. This Saturday, let the San Diego Arab Film Festival put a spell on you. Najwa Najjar's Between Heaven and Earth bewitches with an unlikely love story about divorce. The 30-something couple of the film live in the West Bank and for the first time get permission to travel to Israel to finalize their divorce. But the court insists on additional documents about the husband's late father, a famous intellectual revolutionary. And that sends them off on a road trip of discovery, says Palestinian filmmaker Najjar. They rediscover themselves and they discover the country as well that they have been in many ways divorced from. So it's divorce on many levels. It's love under occupation. It's our lives in many different ways. It's also a view of Palestinian life that may challenge the stereotypes that American movies and media present. With news focused on the recent flare-up of violence between Israel and Palestine, Najjar is proud to see her film open this year's festival. I'm really happy that a film which tackles Palestinians throughout the whole country, something that is very different than what is seen on TV, what is seen in just news clips, which is just violence, so that we see the real people and how real lives are at stake. And so with everything that's going on now back home, it's very, very appropriate. I'm very pleased. Her film places a love story in the foreground with political history as the backdrop. The festival also showcases the Palestinian films 200 Meters and the Oscar-nominated short The Present. Rebecca Romani, who fell in love with Arab cinema while living in Morocco, notes an overarching theme in these Palestinian films. It shows the hurdles that Palestinians encounter every day. Uh, especially those who live in the occupied territories and who need to cross into Israel. There are many things that face them, checkpoints, uh, Israeli guards who make decisions on the spot, issues of documents. 
The festival is hosted by Karama, which describes itself as an independent, nonpartisan organization seeking to promote understanding of the issues facing the Arab and Islamic world and of the Palestinian issue in particular. Larry Christian is co-chair of the San Diego Arab Film Festival and president of Karama. He says Arab films have a very difficult time getting distributed in the U.S. So they often rely on uh, film festivals. That's part of our interest is in presenting films that are hard to come by and that challenge audiences. And the challenge is to simply open your eyes to a different perspective, says Romani. festival like this really provides a window onto the life and concerns and the sounds and different things like that of a region like the Arab world. And when we're talking about the Arab world, we're talking about something that's really quite wide, right? So we have Morocco on the far edge of Africa, all the way to Egypt on the other side, and it goes up into uh, Saudi Arabia, and then it also picks up things like Sudan. So we're really talking about a very broad, diverse area, which includes a lot of different minority populations as well. So for us, it gives us a chance to learn about this group, to learn about this section of the world, and also through cinema, frankly, it humanizes them for us. But these films do more than just create empathy. They also dazzle with artistry. Romani points to a pair of animated films from Qatar, as well as a documentary short called Haunting the West, in which Michael Rockovitz looks to how artifacts from other cultures get into museums. And he's looking at material that has been taken from Iraq and put into museums. And he's looking at it through the lens of colonization and appropriation. And in particular, he's looking at material that was looted, destroyed, or broken. So what uh, Rakovic is doing is he's taking these particular pieces, some of the ones which are actually missing. He's recreating them. He is reworking their original surfaces, which included mosaics and things that were looted. But at the same time, he is giving them a new skin, the skin of a ghost. And if a ghost is going to properly haunt, it has to appear differently than the entity appeared when it was living. It is a repurposed skin with coating. There is language on it, such as poetry and images and reworking of color. All the shorts will stream online, but the features will be in-person events, says Larry Christian. We really feel strongly that having an in-person, actual film festival is important for the community and helps enhance the identity of the community for itself and then in relation to the larger communities. So expand your cinematic horizons with the San Diego Arab Film Festival. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. The San Diego Arab Film Festival launches its 10th year this Saturday at the Museum of Photographic Arts, and it continues through June 19th with online and in-person screenings. And before you go, if you're looking for some local arts events this weekend, KPBS arts editor Julia Dixon-Evans has her top three picks and her weekend preview. Tonight, 
in person for real at the Oak Globe is Word Up, the weekly casual program where host Laura Z enlists creative types from in and out of the theater world to do a part masterclass, part Mad Libs style collaboration. And this week's is about hip hop and freestyle rap. Hip-hop artists Mickey Vale and Rick Scales will join in at the Globe's open-air Copley Plaza. It starts at 5.30, but if you show up at 5, you can catch Mickey Vale's opening DJ set and maybe even dance if you're not too socially awkward. And for the still shy, they will also be live streaming the event too. That's tonight, Friday at 5 p.m. at the Old Globe. Next, cross-border artist Omar Pimienta is taking over as resident artist at Lux Art Institute for the next two months with his exhibition, Sedimento, which includes a bunch of his mixed media works, which pair photography of the Tijuana River region with lettering that looks almost cement-like. He casts ominous phrases over these otherwise lush scenes. There's things like, landscape is a social construct, or time is foreign, or even this is concrete. His work deals in immigration and deportation, as well as the human and political influence on the waterways, such as the Tijuana River. He's also written a book of poetry on the matter, and this weekend's opening reception will also include some poetry readings. That's tonight, Friday at 6 p.m. Then, Lux is available for appointment viewings Thursday through Saturday from 2 to 5. One more visual art gallery opening for you, Catalina Belizzi-Etiola, known as Catafant, opens her first solo show at Swish Projects in North Park on Saturday. This is a series of works that encapsulate her experience with bipolar disorder, whether it's her lived experience or her intensive study and research since her diagnosis. Catafant's work manages to be both bold and delicate at the same time with vibrant paintings and colors, obscure shapes, and thick texture that evokes not just the brushstroke process, but the movement of the piece and the emotion behind it. These works are also paired with music. For example, the first work, Euthemia, which signifies the even mood, the baseline of a manic episode, that one is paired with Drake's Started From The Bottom. Started from the bottom, now my old team. There's an opening reception Saturday at 6 p.m. and then the exhibition is on view by appointment at Swish, or you can also catch a glimpse from the sidewalk. Finally, Trolley Dances is back. San Diego Dance Theater's long-running site-specific dance performance tour had to take a year off due to the pandemic, but this weekend they'll perform a mini version with three stops, four performances total from choreographers including audience favorites Monica Bill Barnes and Jean Isaacs herself returning from retirement. The tours start at the 70th Street Trolley Station and the first performance will take place there. Then, masks required, you'll ride the trolley to a few other stations for some more performances, San Diego State and then Grantville stations. You can try your luck and try to time a walk-up viewing, though the company does say that space for walk-ups is limited. 
The official tours start at 10.30, 11.30, 12.30, and 1.30 on both Saturday and Sunday and cost $15 to $25 per person. You can find details on these and many more arts events in San Diego and sign up for my weekly arts newsletter all at kpbs.org arts. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.